Welcome to The Arc Insider, the podcast that brings you insightful, inspired, and thought-provoking exchanges about the African continent by those who live, work, and breathe African affairs. I'm Karen Allen, and I'll be indulging in some informal Africa-focused conversation with Tara O'Connor, the Managing Director of Arc, the Pan-African Risk Consultancy firm Africa Risk Consulting. We'll be inviting a series of guests to join us for virtual fireside chats to mull over the topics trending on the continent. But again, just one subject continues to dominate the news. Yesterday, the country recorded Europe's highest daily number of deaths yet. It came as the British Medical Association issued a stark warning that supplies of protective clothing for health workers were in some areas at dangerously low level. In Nigeria, the government says it will do all it can and all that's necessary to minimize the spread. But some Nigerians are asking if the lockdown is still necessary. On the economic impact of COVID-19 on the African region. In pre-briefing notes, the World the Bank indicates that it hours yet. New York alone with 731 deaths in a single day. Fellow South Africans, this evening I stand before you to ask you to endure even longer. Very sobering. Uh, so, Tara, welcome to you. Thank you, Karen. Nice to be here. Good to talk again. You're speaking to me from London. And in fact, you're not far from where Prime Minister Boris Johnson's been spending time in hospital recovering himself from COVID-19. It's a, a very sobering thing when the Prime Minister of a country is actually taken into intensive care, although he's out now. Um, but also, it, there's been a marked shift that I've noticed uh, with very little traffic outside. There's very little traffic outside of my road. There are now many, many more um, ambulances. Um, and whether it's I notice them more or it is the volume of traffic, that in fact has also been quite sobering. Those visual cues are really quite poignant, aren't they? You know, it reminds us how busy life is the rest of the time. Yes. I mean, very quiet, just ambulances, but then also the very uplifting. Last night, we had again our uh, clap for our carers, which this time included uh, reference to all the people who collect bins, who uh, work in supermarkets, who are still manning the buses and all of that. So it was a wider applause for a greater number of people that are keeping the minimal levels of service going. Well, let's take a moment, as we do each week, to canter through some of the issues which have found their way into the media. Some of them themes which, of course, Africa Risk Consulting has highlighted in its daily chronology. So for me, really, Tara... Cyril Ramaphosa announcing the extension of a lockdown until the end of April here in South Africa uh, is really big news. I mean, it's really interesting. He said that the average increase in new cases had fallen to 4% compared to around 42% before the lockdown. The suggestion there is that 
although it's painful, this lockdown may be working. So the point is, your point there was that uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, you know, they seem to be ahead of the cases. Is that right? He seems to be ahead of the cases and he's using the statistics to justify the lockdown, that actually the new cases were rising at really quite a staggering rate before the lockdown and that's fallen quite dramatically. Now, I suppose some statisticians would say they may be falling for other reasons or we may not be testing extensively enough. But nevertheless, the messaging that came out when Cyril Ramaphosa addressed the nation on TV is, look, it seems to be the case that this is having some sort of effect. Please continue to bear with us. Yes. And again, the again, it comes back to uh, it being really the only option uh, because uh, you know it cannot provide uh, first class health care for everyone that it has to follow this lockdown test trace route. It's interesting, isn't it? Because literally just up the road, so to speak, in Kenya, uh, President Uhuru Kenyatta has resisted a total lockdown because he says that he fears it will cause mass hunger. Staying in Kenya, I thought another interesting story concerns the release of funds from uh, an asset recovery program to tackle corruption uh, to the tune of 19 million US dollars. So those 19 million US dollars that were stolen from the fiscus or from individuals are being ploughed back into the uh, economy for the COVID response. I have a few issues with the uh, judicial wiping out the uh, judicial process in that and shifting that straight back to the Treasury probably from whence it came. It certainly is a creative response, if, if nothing more than that. We've also had that really frightening World Bank Pulse Africa report warning that the continent's expected to go into recession first time in 25 years and that the cost of the continent as a whole is expected to be about 39 billion US dollars. Absolutely staggering when so many economies are already really, really taking a hit. Um, just finally, the bit from me, Cyril Ramaphosa heading up the African Union appealing to world leaders to try and think about a Africa-focused response. Uh, presumably that will mean debt relief. Presumably that will mean uh, financial grants or other loans potentially to try and buttress the economy in, in the weeks, months, possibly even years ahead. And that will be absolutely essential for Africa to restore, to get restored to those sustained 25 years of, of growth rates that have uh, that have marked the tra- transformation of the of the continent, of the economies on the continent. And also, it's a, a useful reminder that the rest of the world is very distracted just as Africa enters the crisis. The traditional do- sources of donor funds are very much firefighting themselves, with the exception of China, which has been able to fully mobilise its soft power and bring medical help to various countries. There are a number of medical advisors that that arrived in Nigeria this week, for instance. But what was also interesting for me this week was how uh, while the international donor community is rather distracted, how on the other side you've actually seen institutions like the African Development Bank and indeed the IMF actually step up to the plate and commit uh, substantial funds. The African Development Bank has created a debt facility of $10 billion, which will go some way to addressing some the, the, necessar- the, the shortfalls that governments will face. Um, anything else that really struck you over the past week? 
What did strike me was also that Suvaram Ramaphosa announced the extension to the lockdown and at the same time he announced that he was taking a third, a pay cut of a third of his salary and donating that to the Solidarity Fund. And the what has struck me I mean, not just that leadership, but we've seen right across Africa since this crisis began a new philanthropy from Africa's billionaires, from Dangote in Nigeria to Patrice Motsepe in South Africa, and then the old traditionally wealthy families such as the Ruperts and uh, the Oppenheimers actually stepping up to the plate alongside the international funds, putting in billions of rand into a solidarity fund in South Africa. Yeah. You're listening to The Ark Insider with me, Karen Allen, in Johannesburg and Tara O'Connor in London. Today, our podcast is focusing on the ongoing response across Africa to the effects of the coronavirus. Now, in the past week, reports have been coming out of Nigeria, which estimate that the volume of goods moving across Africa as a whole has been reduced by up to a third. As I say, part of that's down to the physical lockdowns and border restrictions, a hike in prices in freight charges, and also limited capacity on planes and ships, including um, a reduction in passenger aircraft. I didn't actually realise that up to a third of all space on passenger aircraft in ordinary times is actually occupied by cargo. Of course, the movement of goods has also been affected by the slowdown in production from big suppliers such as China as well as a reduction in demand for commodities from the African continent. And of course, the knock-on effects are quite frankly enormous. Now, of course, in the media, we've been hearing an awful lot about the big picture. But what about the smaller players, the freight forwarding companies, and especially those that service the so-called last mile, getting product down to the customer at the very grassroots? Well, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Tega Otim. He's the founder of Gricket, a Nigeria-based logistics company which specializes in transporting cold storage items, health products and foodstuffs around Nigeria. Tega, welcome to you. You're joining us from Lagos. First of all, what's the mood among the business community where you are in response to the lockdown? Well, thanks, Karen, for having me. Um, So basically in Nigeria today, for a lot of the smaller businesses, it's pretty much tough. Um, People are having to rethink um, their strategies. Um, I mean, for some businesses, uh, some businesses started to experience the the effect of uh, the virus um, early as, as January because um, some of the markets which we heavily rely on, which is um, China and some other European markets, had already started uh, to experience the lockdowns. And in practical terms, what sort of area do you serve? Do you, do you, do you just serve Lagos uh, and neighboring states or much further afield? More frequently, we do Lagos and um, neighboring states. But in some few cases, we do um, up northern Nigeria, which is um, um, much further. Now, when we were having a chat just before you coming on, you talked about the sachet economy. It's a fantastic phrase. Uh, I guess it means when when consumers are buying items in small amounts, one tea bag, one cigarette, rather than bulk. How does that impact on a, on a smaller company like, like yourselves? Um, typically, we do know that income in Africa is not so great. Uh, most people live day to day, day by day. Um, so you go out, you get your uh, income, and then you buy your daily bread, right? Um, I think I think it's it's in a way it it could be a blessing, especially for for businesses like ours, 
um, in the sense that um, you have volume of transactions, right? Um, because every day people need to place demands, every day people need to request for certain things. Um, but with the impact of, um, I mean, the general economy at the moment, what we're seeing is um, certain people are unable to afford or purchase certain things at this point in time. So it's at this point in time, it ne- negatively affects um, um, our business in the sense that the volume of transaction also has been affected. It strikes me that you're particularly vulnerable because you share space in containers or in trucks. You don't have your own vehicles that distribute stuff. You, you basically buy a, a space in a, in, a, in a truck to distribute your goods. So presumably, prices on limited space are now at a premium. So your costs must have shot up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, another, that's another thing. Um, so in order for you to be um, profitable, you need to be able to um, put, thing, put things together from different customers and then move them um, along one direction. Um, so yeah, at the moment, the partnerships that we have with certain companies are not, um, they can't work because um, you need to invest heavily into logistics now. So, I mean, the prices have shot up because not a lot of people are moving a lot of things, so you can't actually combine to get um, 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 to reach that profitability um, at the end of the day. Yeah. Tega, I think that's a most interesting thing. I mean, and, and one of the questions I wanted to ask you was just about how much, uh, how much is moving around at the moment and how extensive is the lockdown affecting logistics? I'll I'll say for for, for Lagos, um, not a lot is moving around. I can't put a number to it, um, but not a lot. How it's affecting logistics is, I mean, once the demand declines, the the logistics also gets affected. Um, I do know a couple of businesses that are at the moment have had to temporarily suspend um, activities um, due to the lack of lack in volume. Yeah. Um, and also, when you look at interest states, we have um, state governments that have totally closed their land borders um, to other commodity coming from um, um, epicenters. Um, so so it's 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 um, at the moment. Yeah. For the smaller logistics businesses, it's it's pretty it's very tough. So what's happening at a micro level is also happening at a macro level. And from my conversations this week with various uh, uh, various business colleagues, um, I've seen that actually uh, one described uh, uh, the north-south supply chain as being broken. So with all the suspension of flights, the suspension of travel, um, you have a situation, for example, in Côte d'Ivoire where mangoes, which are destined for Europe, um, are actually ripe, ripe now and ready to go, but there is no air freight for them to go north. Um, but the other thing that I've learned this week is actually that air freight prices are five times what they are normally. And that's exactly because the demand is now no longer north-south at all. It's all east-west. It's interesting, isn't it? It picks up on, on something, and it'd be good to put this to you, Tega. We talked um, just last week to... Um, uh, an epidemiologist who's a philosopher as well. It's a, a, an unusual specialism. But he was questioning the whole lockdown strategy, given the very 
unique way that um, that Africa as a continent operates, the way people are living, sort of those kind of spatial challenges, demographic challenges. I mean, where do you stand? Do you, do you think actually the idea of the lockdown is something that's inevitable, that it's still probably the best way to go? Or, or have you got reservations about it? My personal opinion, um, I'm not sure the lockdown was the best approach for Africa. And um, I think even if we we're going to um, talk about um, lockdown, I think we needed to, um, the government needs to sit down and reevaluate what the, um, what, what's essential to the economy or what's essential to the country. Um, because now they say um, essential personnel can move while some are considered non-essential. So for example, in the logistics space, which is um, critical to moving um, food, for example, from northern Nigeria to southern Nigeria and reverse. Um, you need spare parts for these vehicles that need to move these products from point A to point B. Do you consider them essential or non-essential? At the moment, they're considered non-essential. How do you um, define essential and non-essential? Like we also suggested okay. earlier, um, Africa is a sachet economy. You have a lot of people who are going out, um, who need to go out on a daily basis to earn a living. Right. I, I, I feel um, the government probably might have just imitated what was being done externally without having to look into the uniqueness of um, Africa and um, understanding how best the situation could be managed. But that's just my personal opinion. Tego, Tim, thank you so much for sparing the time to chat to us. It's been it's been really, really interesting and very best of luck in, in Lagos. We're wishing you resilience and the best of recovery for your business in the weeks and months ahead. Um, quite extraordinary things that, you know, next time I look at my my shopping that comes in of essential goods and services, I, I won't take things quite so much for granted in terms of the logistics of actually getting them here. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Karen and Tara, for having me. Thanks, Tega. Really nice to chat. If you're interested, Tara's team at ARC produce the daily chronology of events across the region, which you can sign up for at info at Consulting. That's all one word, dot com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do let us know at the same address. And of course, feel free to share it on social media and amongst your friends. Goodbye for now.